When they first came, they worked in like sweatshop type environments. There were three jobs when they came, no English, nothing. My grandfather got locked in jail because of the whole Chinese cultural revolution. Lo and behold, five years later, here comes me. I wasn't supposed to be here, but yeah. I think our generation is quite soft as it is at the moment. Like we, we don't, we can't take offense to anything. Like everything offends us and like, there was a period in our life where we lost everything due to GFC. We ate out of garbage bins for a while. It just over 10 months to hit our first million in revenue. I think it was the fifth or the sixth video. We got like 28,000 views overnight and then bang, 300 orders the next morning. If you can really figure out how to go viral on TikTok, that is crazy. Because like, right. all it takes is one viral video to change your life. Yeah. My name is Alan Fu, and this is Life, Money and Love. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. We're rolling. Well, we've already had 10 minutes of the podcast off air, so I thought we better <laughs> start, start the episode now. Um, Pretty much. We've got Alan Food today. Fucking, this is going to be a good episode. I'll tell you how I know it's going to be a good episode. One, it's an e-com banger, chatting about business, the whole growth journey. Everyone loves the growth stories for e-com, but also when someone messages you a couple of days before the podcast saying, so you're able to swear on these sort of things? Or yeah. That's when you know he's my type of people. Um, so yeah, Alan Food, founder of Cheeky Glow, done over 3 million in sales in his first two years. Um, we'll talk about that journey. I really want to talk about Fluid Project, your latest business, something that you took from an idea to launch in 21 days. Again, it's not e-com. You did it mm. with a physical in-person business. So that journey is fucking, I'm really excited to talk about. Yep. Um, but first of all, bro, thanks for coming in. Public Pleasure. holiday, giving us your time. Fuck I'm yeah. so G, doing my research about you. I'm like, this is going to be a fun episode. So thanks again, man. Pleasure, bro. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. I always love working on public holidays, you know. Yeah, sleep. exactly. You got to get that grind in. Yeah, you know, got to get that grind in. Um, 100%. So, bro, we're going to get into the business, but where I want to start with you, man, mm. uh, I think it's such a pivotal part of your story. I'm sure it is. But talk to me about like what it was like growing up in your house with first generation migrants, didn't really speak English, but had this insane work ethic to somehow claw and claw and claw and make a life for themselves in Australia. Yeah. So my parents first came to Australia like, oh, fuck, when it was back in the early 1990s. Yeah. When they first came, they worked in like sweatshop type environments. Mm. That was the whole entire boom. You know, back in the 90s, it was all like doing all the fashion stuff, the sewing factories yeah. in Sydney. Um, that was a huge thing. Film factories, so when Kodak was back around, if you yeah. remember Kodak. Yeah. But like sewing factories, film factories, so that's where my parents were. My parents worked in, um, they worked three jobs when they came. No English, nothing. They skimped everywhere for whatever dollar they could find. Yeah. And they were making, you know, pennies on the day. Like it was yeah. nothing. You know, and so they came really extremely hard work ethic. And then so they met here in Sydney, actually. They never came oh, together. So they came separately. They came separately. Yeah. They met in a sweatshop, essentially. Wow. Um, my mom had a needle go through her finger. She was bleeding out everywhere. And then she was scared of getting fired. So what she did was she actually went into the kitchen, got some of the wire gauze, used that to tie up her finger to stop the bleeding. And my dad saw that because he was in the he was in the like production line behind her. He saw that and he went and patched her up so that she wouldn't get fired. Wow. So he got some of the spare scrap like fabric and he used that to make a bandage for her and that's how they met. And then, you know, lo and behold, five years later, here comes me. I wasn't supposed to be here, yeah. but it happens, you know, shit happens. Yeah. And then I pop out um, in the middle of their first business venture. So they had mm -hmm. saved for five years and ordered their first batch of inventory from China. They yeah. started like clothing and shoes. Yeah. And um, they started, they bought a, like a really rundown van. This van had like 200,000 kilometers on yeah. it, like a super rundown. They bought it for a couple thousand dollars and then they started their first business and then bang, out popped me. Yeah. And that was where that journey began. Like two months, at two months old, I was on the side of the road selling 
shoes with my parents. <laughs> you know, they were using me. You were the lead one. general. Right, exactly. I was the marketing materials. Oh my God, cute baby. Hey, did you want to buy some shoes? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's pretty much how it was. Um, and so that was the journey. Watching them grow up, I think that's the biggest imprint on me. Mm. My parents worked 18 hour days. I remember when I was growing up, I saw my mom come home, she would cook food and then she'll go work Kodak graveyard shift. And then she'll, she'll wake up in the morning, go bakery. Like my dad worked at Baker's Delight. You know, he was there at 3 a.m. in the morning um, and all, all of these sort of things. And then he came home. I don't know if you remember Sizzler, but my dad was yeah. chef hand at Sizzler. Or you can eat. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then so, you know, that was the sort of journey I saw watching my parents. They would go out, they would work, they would come home, stay at home for about an hour or two, go out to work again, come home, take a nap, go out to work again. It was three jobs just to keep food on the table. It was fucking hard. It was grueling. So I watched that growing up. And for me, it seemed normal. It's like yeah. working 18 hour days is like, isn't that, my parents did that. Why can't I do that? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it really shits me when people go, oh man, I just want to work that six hour day and can I have that one hour smoker break? And yeah. I, need to, I need to go to the toilet for 30 minutes and I need to milk my boss's money. I'm like, that fucking shits well, me Well, so bro, bad. that's like just even the story about your mum cut a needle, go through her finger yeah. and wasn't thinking about, oh my God, my life. She's like, oh, I don't want get, to get fired 100%. for this, trying to hide it. And then that's the problem with today, man. Like I, I hate like bagging on like our generation, but like, People will be upset and want to leave a job because someone spoke to them in slightly a rude way. And 100%. yeah, look, you shouldn't do that. But also like a lot of our problems today, man, we just don't have the thick skin of the previous generations, particularly that immigrant mentality, that hard work ethic mm. that you grew up surrounded by, even though you didn't have a lot of money at the start, mm. it probably ended up being a massive advantage of you to build your life and your skills upon afterwards. hundred percent. Right? Absolutely. Like I think our generation is quite soft as it is at the moment. Like yep. we, we don't, we can't take offense to anything. Like everything offends us. And like, I, it, one thing is good. Like, I, I think it's good that we are now aware of certain societal issues. But on the other hand, it's like, there is shit that we need to get done and we should just get it done. Mm -hmm. Like, whether something's bad or not, like our parents' mentality back in the days, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I remember my dad telling me stories of him growing up. Like, my actual grandmother, like blood grandmother, she passed away when my dad was like 15. He yeah. raised the family. My grandfather got locked in jail because of the whole Chinese Cultural Revolution. My brother raised, uh, not my brother, sorry, my father raised his brother back when he was 15 years old. He had to cook, he had to hunt, he had to go and make food like appear. Yeah. And back in then, like in China, it's when it's during the cold winter, there's no food, there's nothing. He had to climb trees, harvest like food, find berries, like literally the old school stuff like that. And that was normal. At the same time, he was going to school. And it's like, and because there's no transport, he had to walk eight kilometers to and from school every single day. Yeah. Like that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. you, you can't imagine a kid in our generation doing that, let alone at 15 years old, raising someone, no parents, right? And like, that was normal for them. Yeah. They didn't complain. Yeah. And as much as I think that that's a really crazy thing to go through, and obviously it's not normal for our generation, but that's the sort of life that they went through growing up. And for us, like the hardest thing for us is getting bullied at school or like, you know, like, and I got bullied at school as well, like very, very severely during primary and high school. And still, regardless of that is we have to have that mentality where we decide, hey, you know what? Ultimately, it's my life. I'm in control. I do what I want. And whether or not the environment around me is fucking shit or not, like mm -hmm. I'm in control of my life. I can decide who I want to be and where I want to go. And I think that's a mentality a lot of us don't hold nowadays. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And like similar, my family came, so like my, my family, my mum's side's from Ireland, and they came here because there was an Irish civil war and like my family uh, were Catholic living in like a Protestant area mm. and like there was like 10, 15% Catholics and like they were like fucking violence being perpetrated against them. Like that sort of stuff our parents... Again, my, my family's was nowhere near as hard as that, but like mm. the generations that we came from had to deal with so much more and just like it, it ingrained them that toughness and grit to just get through life when it's 100%. not easy. And today, like talking about like 
I hundred percent agree, man. And I agree with a lot of the movements that are going on and why we Me should too. be more respectful, more inclusive. Correct. Absolutely. But it's getting a little bit crazy with certain things. I know this isn't business related and off topic. We'll get to that. But like, bro, have you seen the Brendan Fraser mm. movie, the, the whale they're talking about, like yep. you've got a standing ovation, mm -hmm. good on him. He hasn't been acting for a while and he's done a killer role. Yep. And that was really good at the start, all the media publicity about it. Mm -hmm. And then recently they're trying to slander it saying, oh, this is a fat phobic movie. It shouldn't be released. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, I understand that. But like what you can't make movie about overweight people because it's offensive. No, we make movies about bad people that are white, black, Asian, fat, straight, Correct. queer, whatever. Correct. Like it's not always, why do we always go to it's a personal attack on me? Correct. Like yeah. this cancel culture is crazy. And right. I hear it. Like some of my staff are high school students. I started working when I was 14 in the, you know, in the outside world. And I listen to some of the conversation between high school students nowadays. And they're like, oh, you know, XYZ has done what? Let's cancel them. Let's cancel this. Let's cancel that. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just I like, know. I'm like, guys, come on. Let's let's think about this from, from a different perspective, right? Like let's take all the information. Let's yeah. actually analyze it. Let's actually think about it yeah. in a very intelligent way rather than going, oh, doesn't agree with me. Exactly. You know what? They don't fucking belong in my life. Let's cancel these guys. And I'm like, guys, come on, man. Like, you've got to really think from a third person perspective. You really have to step out of the box. Bro, but it's worse than that. It's not fair enough. If you don't agree with them, you don't like them, you can choose to cancel them from your life. They're trying to cancel them from existence. Oh, they correct. want them to never work again. Correct. They want them to never get a brand deal again. They correct. want them to essentially be shunned from society because they didn't agree with you. But like, if, if everyone just agreed with everyone, it's just going to be like, it's... It's just a really messed up, up being, way of thinking. Correct. Man. It's going to be like sheep leading sheep, right? Like, and we're just yeah. going to be going in circles with the same idea. The only reason society grows and the reason why we as human beings grow is because there is conflict. Exactly. It's because there's a disagreement. If you don't dis if you don't agree with me, fair enough. That's fine. That's your opinion. Mm -hmm. Let me hear it out. And if there's logic to it, I'm like, oh, you know what? I can maybe consider that. That will help me grow as a human mm -hmm. being. But if all of a sudden I'm sitting here going, oh, you're, you know, whatever you're saying, that's not logical to me. It sounds stupid to me. Then you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to cancel you. And my opinion is the correct opinion. Yes. But the reality is, is I think in this generation, what's happened with us is our ego has led us to believe and social media has led us to believe that we are more important than we actually are. Mm -hmm. And that's what is causing a lot of the problems that I'm seeing as well is genuinely doesn't matter how successful I am. Doesn't matter how much money I make. Doesn't matter who I am in society, what sort of public figure that I become. Yep. I will never be as important, you know, as I think I am. That's that's my belief. It's like, you know, we should have a humility to think that, yes, we are human beings. Yes, we may have accolades, but that doesn't necessarily mean that just because I have accolades, I'm 100% correct in everything that I do. It's not even that, man. It's um, they have a social media channel and they think they have a right to criticize every 100%. single person that ever existed. You know what I mean? 100%. I just, I don't think it's the right way to go. And like, we, I, I haven't really been talking about this stuff for, for long, but I, Sometimes I feel like we've got to share it because if people aren't having conversations like this and we're like very like reasonable people, aren't? we're not some of these people putting out the, you know, whatever right wing, left wing propaganda, but like creating some sort of awareness that, hey, we're probably as a society going down a dangerous path that isn't going to create mm -hmm. the best society and the best version of ourselves possible. Mm -hmm. It needs to be, it needs to be called out. Now we'll go back to your parents' story for a second. Yep. I, I can kind of gather where you'd go with this, but tell me what, what do you think is the biggest lesson that, that your parents taught you? My parents have taught me a lot. Yeah. I, I think I attribute a lot of my sex success to not just observing my parents, mm -hmm. um, but also how they've raised me. And yeah. I think it's it's quite a fantastic thing to watch my parents growing up. Mm -hmm. um, I think parents play a huge role in a child's life. And I believe that parents should be the greatest role models for their kids. Like whether or not they've had a bad upbringing themselves or whether or not they have trauma um, I believe that if they want to be the best parent for their child, they have to live a life that is worthy of the child to follow. 
And I think I'm very grateful for my parents for this, right? They taught me all of that extreme work ethic, not because they were lecturing me, but more importantly, because they showed me this yeah. is what you have to do. And I think that's extremely helpful for me. Um, and that's something that I've learned a lot from myself personally. So I'm extremely grateful for that. But more importantly is like, they have been extremely supportive of me, whether they agree with me or not. And I think that is the biggest lesson in itself. It's nothing that they've ex said. I remember going to my parents one day and I think this was a pivotal moment in my journey as well. I think I was about 15 or 16 at the time we we're having dinner and my brother did something similar as well afterwards. But I was having dinner and I told my parents because they wanted me to go to uni. My yep. parents have never gone through uni. My mom's not university educated, neither is my dad. They don't have a degree. So obviously for them, they wanted me to get a degree. And that's typical in Asian families. Like, yeah. you know, we always joke around, you're either doctor, lawyer, engineer, or, or you're disowned. Like that's pretty much the joke, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's, every Asian kid knows this. Yeah. And so they wanted me to go down a similar pathway. My parents, um, you know, got really fascinated in nutrition. They got into the supplement industry and they really wanted me to get into a dietetics role. Mm. And so they wanted me to be a dietitian or go down the pathway of medicine. Typical, right? Yeah. And so I sat down. I was like to my parents, um, I was like, I don't know if uni is really going to be beneficial to me. Yeah. I've always At wanted 15, to. You said that. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I was like, you know, I went to a high school. I went to Sydney Boys, yeah. so I went to an, a selective school, right? So everyone there, the stigma behind Sydney Boys is it's a selective school. Everyone's smart. Everyone's going to be, you know, extreme in an extremely good degree. Yeah. And so it'd be embarrassing if I dropped out of high school yeah. or anything like that, right? Or I, I, I got a crap degree. Yeah. Um, but then I was like to my parents, I was like, look, honestly. You guys have raised me, and this is something I said to my mom. I was like, you guys have raised me, and I hope that you trust me. Mm. If you genuinely believe that you raised me well, you will trust the decisions that I make. And my mom and dad sat there and they go, holy shit, how could he say this to us? Yeah. But they said, um, and I think this is something that I remember very clearly. My dad said to me, it's like, you know what, son? Despite what you choose, whether you choose to drop out, whether you choose to continue, whether you choose to do a degree that you enjoy instead of one that we want you to do, we will always support you because we love you and we raised you and we trust in your decision. And I tell this to kids all the time is, and I tell this to my friends that are parents too. If you genuinely believe that you're a good parent, you genuinely believe that you raised your son or daughter, right? They will choose the right pathway, yeah. you know, and they'll choose the right pathway that's right for them. Yeah. Not right for you, but right for them. Mm. Because 90% of the kids I talk to at uni, I ask them, why do you do your degree? I don't know, mom wants me to, you know, like it looks good. Like they can show me off to their relatives. And I look at my parents and I go, there is no way you're showing me off to our relatives. My cousin, he goes to Stanford. He's a ducks at Stanford. He graduated with a PhD at 21 years old. My other cousin just sold his company for $250 million. There is no way you are showing me off <laughs> at the dinner table. Yeah. So just let me do my thing yeah. and let me you know, go and walk this pathway of life that I believe I am genuinely living and fulfilling my purpose. Mm -hmm. And so essentially when I had that conversation at 15, 16 years old, um, this was just before HSC came along, my parents were like, okay, you know what? We trust you, let you do your thing. That's the biggest lesson for me is not just in parenting, but also, you know, as a son, that if my parents are able to trust, support and love me, then I've removed one of the biggest barriers in my performance out there because most children will never go and pursue their dreams because they have this barrier and this stigma that if I disappoint my parents, you know, then my life is over. But the reality is it's not. Our parents come from a different generation. They may think they know what's best for you, but in reality, they never know what's best for you. Mm. Our parents can barely open Instagram or Facebook, let alone tell you what to do in life and how to be successful. So I always go to um, a lot of the younger people that follow me and I tell them, you know, I'm like, if your parents aren't where you want to be in 10 years time, should the advice they give you actually be the advice that you take? Because the reality is, is if you continue following the path where your parents have set out for you, you will either end in one of two places. One, like your parents, or two, in somewhere that you don't agree with and you don't align with. 
So ultimately, at the end of the day, is if you're happy with where your parents are, great. A lot of kids have extremely successful parents. 100% take their advice because they're not just thinking about you as a son. They're thinking about you as an asset, mm. you know. And so, like, I always say to my friends, I'm like, you have to be really, really clear about that because if you're going to go and spend four years, $50,000 studying a degree that you don't want to do, like, what is the purpose of that, number one? And number two is if you lock yourself into a career pathway for the next 20 years, what sort of fulfillment and enjoyment are you going to get out of that degree? You know, at the end of the day, money comes and goes. But what's more important is we are on this per we're on this planet for 80 years of our life mm. and you have to enjoy it. You should be enjoying every single moment. And that is worth more than any dollar that you can make. And that is worth, you know, all the happiness in the world. Mm. And so I always share this and that's probably the biggest lesson for my parents is, yep. you know, chase your dreams. Actually believe in yourself because, you know, the biggest barrier of we believe in you is out of the way. Yep. My parents will trust in me. They believe in me. They've allowed me to have the freedom to chase my dreams. And I genuinely put any sort of success I have today behind um, not just my parents, but also my ex-girlfriend for supporting me for so long in our in our personal relationship as well. Yep. Right? Like this podcast about life, money, love. And that's genuinely the reality of it is, you know, my, my parents um, and my ex-girlfriend ex at the time, they, they supported me in every endeavor, no matter if I made a dollar or I didn't, yeah. but they just believed and trusted in me that I am going the direction that I want to head because that's something that I'm passionate about yeah. and that fulfills my purpose in life. And, and that's, that's all the most important part as well because you said some people may have successful parents <coughs> and like you can get into the habit of wanting to model that if they're successful, but the Correct. better question to ask is are they happy, are they fulfilled? Because Correct. there's a lot of extremely successful people especially parents that have worked extremely hard, but like looking back, they probably have a lot of regrets about what they haven't been able to do or feel or, or experience in life. Mm. So as long as you're trusting your intuition and your gut and taking advice from the people around you, your parents and, 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 and friends and mentors that have, you know, exactly what you said, are closer to where you want to be than you are or mm. are doing something that you look up to and admire and surround yourself with those people. But at the end of the day, only like you really need you really need to know and trust you know best for you and, and what's going to make you happy. Agreed. And if you don't, and if if you follow something that feels right at the time and it doesn't work out, well, that was just a part of your journey. Correct. You know what I mean? Mistakes are part of life. Redirect like they're not redirections. The failures are redirections. They're not at the end of the road. Like Correct. it's for a purpose, right? And that's something that you talk talk about a lot. Learning from your mistakes. Like mm -hmm. how is that? a part of your life and part of your ethos. Like what, what do you do when you, you make a mistake and how do you get over it? How do you overcome it and use it to, to propel you forward? Yeah, fuck, that's a great question because like, you know, a lot of people always make mistakes and that stonewalls them. Yeah. And and like I made a post actually the other day on my social media and this was me reflecting on my um, high school soccer coach. Mm -hmm. um, his name's Mehdi and he actually owned a small business in Sydney as well. But at that time he used to coach, I think an EPL team and then he came and coached first grade at my school. Um, and like mistakes are, you cannot avoid a mistake. No matter how much of a perfectionist you are, you cannot fucking avoid that mistake. It's going to come. No matter what you try to do, no matter how much you plan for it, no matter what, something will always go wrong. So if you get stuck in that mentality of, fuck, if I made a mistake, it means I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Then you'll always be stuck in that circle where, you know, you're just not going to be able to escape. You're just going to continue getting deeper and spiraling deeper in that in that mindset of, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And then eventually you tell yourself that enough that it becomes a reality. Yeah. You know, what you tell yourself becomes a reality. And yeah. that's that's the truth behind it. So I remember Mehdi, talk, talk, uh, like, he was talking to me. He was um, mentoring me during the middle of a soccer game. We would, in this soccer game, I play goalkeeper as a position. And so my position is extremely crucial to the success of the team. So we play first grade. And so obviously it's very competitive. We compete against GPS schools. And I think this game was at St. Joseph's. And I remember this game very, very clearly. The score was one all. And then so it was the last 10 minutes. 
Um, oh, sorry, the last 15 minutes. And then I let in a goal. So it becomes 2-1. I lost my shit. Like, <laughs> I was like, fuck, why the fuck didn't you guys cover me? Like, yeah. where's my defenders? Where's this? Where's this? I was raging it at everyone. And so Mehdi sees that. He's seen, he sees that I've lost emotional control. And he subs me off. And I'm like, what the fuck? We have 10 minutes left of the yeah. game. I'm like, Mehdi, why'd you sub me off? Like, yeah. you know, and he's like, he puts in the sub goalkeeper. And I'm like, why'd you sub me off? We've got 10 minutes left. Like, this is crucial. We got, we got, to, we got to get at least a draw out of this. Yeah. And so he subs me off and he goes, he pulls me aside. He goes, Alan, he's like, you made a mistake, right? And I'm like, yeah, I did. He's like, this person fucked up, that person. I was like, oh, that person fucked up, he fucked up, he didn't cover me. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, Alan, but what about yourself? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, I should have come this, I should have done that. He's like, yeah, but you're giving me excuses right now. And I was like, shit, I am. Mm-hmm. You know, in that moment, I was so emotionally overwhelmed. And I was like, you know what? I stopped and reflected. I was like, you know what? I actually am giving you excuses. And then he's like, Alan, I never want to hear an excuse come out of your mouth ever again. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, it's like everyone always makes excuses yeah. for their mistakes. Whenever someone fucks up, the first thing they do is they try to blame someone else. I'm not successful because of that. Yeah. I'm not this because of that. I'm not successful. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like, it, it's never my problem. It's always someone else that caused me to fail. And so Mehdi gave me that really good lesson. I'm very grateful for him as well right now. So if he ever sees this, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, and so he, he goes to me as, as like, Alan, every, every, anytime you ever make a mistake ever again, I want you to know that I don't want to hear your excuse. I just want to know that you take responsibility for it. Mm. Never fucking apologize to me ever again. Just go and fix it the next time and make sure it doesn't happen. And I was like, that was uh, another, like I always like look at my life and I go, where are the pinnacle moments in my life that actually change and catalyze? So I really like the word catalyst because that was a catalyst for me. Mm. You know, it really changed how I approach problems. And I talk about this and I've been talking, it's been over 12 years now. And I've been talking about this story every single time I get up on a stage or, you know, wherever. And the reality is, is we are going to fail in life. We are going to fuck up. There is no way that you can avoid that. So what can we actually learn from it? Because every mistake actually makes you better. And if you don't use your mistakes as stepping stones to success, then I think you're a fool. Because every mistake teaches you the best lesson and success is the worst mentor, right? Because, you know, I'm sure we've gone through it. Like during the e-com days, as the business is blowing up, nothing we do goes wrong. Like literally everything is going right. It's like, holy shit, money coming from there, success coming from there, news articles, media, this, everything is going right. But when everything goes wrong and we're not making money anymore, when we're losing money, the profits aren't rolling in, the cash flow is choking, that's when we actually learn the most about our business. Yeah. You know, and then with momentum, momentum doesn't teach you anything. Momentum allows you to leverage what you have already exist, like what's already existing in your knowledge bank. Momentum allows you to push forward hard on everything that you've prepared to that point. However, when the momentum stops, that's the biggest and greatest teacher in your life. Because when you see all those failures or when you see those roadblocks, that's what teaches you how to get to the next level. Because 100% someone else is facing those roadblocks as well. So if you can figure out that roadblock, not only will people pay you to help them figure out that roadblock but also at the same time when you overcome that roadblock you will get to a different level where people cannot even comprehend or catch up to you because that is the hardest part about life is everyone faces wars everyone faces roadblocks but not everyone can overcome them and that all comes down to your mindset right what is this in my life like what is the meaning of this failure like just because i failed does that make me personally as a failure or just because i failed does this mean a lesson that i'm not good enough just yet and there are things that there are still available for me to learn yeah. and people just need to approach the problem differently yeah exactly and i, and I love that point that you made about like profit hides problems 100 percent. you know what i mean you know you know whenever you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars of profit a month like you, you there's there's problems in your business you're just not realizing them because you don't need you're to it's when, it's when things get harder 
that and, and you're not necessarily making as much money as you used to where you actually have to lift up the hood and look under your business and realize all the things you're doing wrong. And um, that point, owning your mistakes is, is a massive superpower, man, because that shift of like owning your mistakes and taking responsibility for them, whether it, you think initially it's your fault or someone else's fault, at the end of the day, if it's your business or your project you're working on, it is your responsibility. 100%. It is your fault at the end of the day. If someone in your team didn't deliver the work the way you wanted to, it's yep. not their fault. You got to look as the as the head of the business, as the founder, the CEO, whatever, and you got to think, okay, they they didn't do that as I wanted it. That in my head didn't come out there. Don't blame them. That's not their fault. You, the only way you're going to get a better result next time is realizing, hey, I obviously didn't communicate it clear enough to someone. What am I going to do differently next time? How am I going to explain it? Am I going to get them to repeat back mm. what I'm going for? Am I going to show them examples? And having that attitude of like, it's all your responsibility and ev anything that goes wrong, it's up to you to make sure it's better next time. That's the way you get better in Correct. life, in business. By throwing all your problems and blaming other people, you're just going to completely stagnate your growth and you're going to end up pushing people away because everything's going to be everyone else's fault and you're not going to get better in life. You're not going to move forward. So... Correct. Uh, Super uh, important. 100%. I agree with that 100% because I always tell my business partners, I tell my employees, I tell them, I'm like, the second you start making excuses for me is the second I show you the door. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear your excuses. Like, I only work with people that take responsibility for their problems and for their issues. We're all fucked up somewhere. Like, we have all made mistakes and we all have our own issues. We all have our own traumas. But we have to take responsibility for it because if we don't take responsibility for it and we avoid all those issues, I tell this to my business partner all the time. Like, yes, I may not be performing at XYZ position or I might, I'm not performing at this certain time. I'm not going to tell you an excuse. I'm not just going to be like, oh, I'm busy here, so I can't do this. I'm just going to be like, well, you know what? I'm going to own it. This is my fault. I haven't done this as best as I can. So this is what I'm going to do to fix it. I want to hear your solutions. I don't want to hear you diving deep into the problem and being stuck in the problem. I want to hear about how you change that. I don't care if you make mistakes. I literally tell all my staff, all my partners, if you make a mistake, that's fine. I make mistakes too. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Not, none of us are perfect. But the second you start giving me excuses, you start going, but this, but that, but this, but that, that gives me the shits. I'm like, you know, you have to take responsibility. And I am very, very flexible. I'm very, very tolerant as well. But most importantly is I don't work with people who genuinely like, you go, hey, it's not on me. Like I fucked up, but it's not on me. And that shits me a lot. And that's when I never do business with you ever again. Yeah. That's when I never invite you to places ever again. And that's when I never, you know, keep you in my staff or my roster. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's as simple as that. That's one thing, again, I've had to learn a lot about business and managing teams and training and everything. But one thing I've, I've always pride pride myself on whatever the fucking <laughs> saying is, is that creating an environment that people aren't afraid to fail and fuck 100%. up. Because I've seen people come in uh, to the business that for whatever reason, clearly have limitations and are afraid to try something yep. without asking and, 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 and go out there and build something on their own. And like, if you play it safe and you, and you're scared to take those risks or you're scared to fail, it's actually going to be way worse for you and the business that you're involved in anyway. So Agreed. being okay with that, obviously we're not trying to fuck up, but being okay, I'm going to shop and do my best. If for some reason I took a decision or a direction that wasn't the best, that's okay. As long as you, like you said, own it, learn from it. And then take those learnings into the next time you're faced with that similar decision or similar project that you want to work on. Yeah, correct. I agree. Like uh, that actually reminds me a lot. I had two staff maybe about nine, 12 months ago. Um, and then, so they were quite young. I think they were 16 or 17 at the time. And so I remember in our group chat for our staff, they messaged me, they go, hey, Alan, if I make mistakes in orders or if I ship out the wrong order to customers, obviously we do our own logistics. Yeah. And then so, you know, they're like, if I make a mistake, just take it out of my pay. And I'm like, 
I didn't ask them to, but then for them to do it themselves and volunteer to do that, I think that for me is like, I would never do it. Yeah. But it's like, that's that's what I love. It you means know? a lot. It yeah. means a lot. Like, it's the same thing. Like, I always say to people, I'm like, you know, if I take you out on a date, for example, right? I'm single now. So it's yeah. like, you know, if I'm taking a girl out on a date, it's like, all I look for is, does she volunteer to pay, yeah, you know, for yeah. the date? I don't care if she pays or not. It's yeah. like, does she actually try to fight for the bill? If she fights for the bill, she's a good one. Yeah, if she yeah. doesn't fight for the bill, I'm like, oh, fuck, maybe she's raised wrong, you know? Yeah, and like, yeah. it's like, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit sus on that because I'm always looking at people's behavior because yeah. habits really lead to who a person is. You can't fake those habits yeah. and you can't fake those values that a person has. Like as much as someone can fake who they are, their personality, and that's social media nowadays for you. So many people are so fucking fake out there, right? And I'm just looking at, if your habits show me who you are as a person, your values show me who you are as a person, that's what I want. Whether you're staff, friend, romantic interest, whatever it is, yeah. that's the most important thing to me. Show me those values because you can't fake those. And have you noticed the difference in uh, the attention or the way people approach you since the last few years when there's been all this media press about you and the success is more? Yeah, obvious. I mean like, so when I first started business, I had a few haters. I'm not gonna call <laughs> them out or anything like that, but um, I do know who my haters are. Like yeah. I always find out. It's it's never like, people always think they're so smart. I'm gonna use a fake account. I'm, gonna yeah. get away. I'm like, bro, trust me, man. I know yeah. who it is because word always gets around. Yeah. Our community is small, especially the Asian community. Yeah. It's small. If you're gonna talk shit about me, you better be prepared for the repercussions <laughs> because I will find out. Yeah. Um, and so I know, but I never really confront them, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever, past is past and hate is hate. It is what it is. No matter where you go in life, you're going to get hate. And this is a great lesson for a lot of the young people that are going to be listening is it doesn't matter how successful you get, you will get hate. You can make $100 million, you can make $200 million. People will still fucking hate on you. It doesn't matter where you go. The more successful you are, the more hate you're going to get. And if you're not getting 100%. any hate, then you're probably not standing for 100%. something. You know so I mean? a, a really funny thing that my cousin taught me when I was um, actually being mentored by him, he goes, Alan, if you haven't been sued yet, <laughs> you aren't, you're a fucking nobody. And I'm like, yes. what do you mean? Like, why do I want to get sued? He goes, if you haven't stepped on enough toes, you aren't making enough of the wrong, you're not making enough of the right moves. Mm. And I was like, fuck, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, that's a really, really good point. And so like, you know, obviously don't go and try and get sued or anything, yeah. but just understand that in life, there will always be haters in your life. And, you know, once you reach a certain level, they silence themselves. And then a lot of them turn around and try to act nice to you, to your face again. Like you can see it. Um, it's very, very clear. They'll, they'll be the first ones coming back to you to ask for advice, to ask for support, to ask for money, to ask for this. But I'm like, you know what? Like, do I be the bigger person or do I just be that, you know, salty person and go, you're you're a dickhead, right? Like you're, you're you know, you're an asshole to me. You are a hater. So I'm never going to help you. Yeah. For me, I think we can always be the bigger man or the yeah. bigger person. And I'm always like, you know, I, I know my ability on this planet. I know my knowledge. I know my experience. I know my perspectives. I will always genuinely do whatever I can to help you. But remember, you're never going to be a priority in my life ever yeah, again. Yeah. So, you know, I will do my best to help you, support you. But just know that, you know, I have other priorities. And yeah. you are probably at the bottom of that list. That's pretty yeah. much it. It's, 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 it's sad though. Like a lot of it, like a lot of the hate is, comes from their own insecurities. And their Correct. Own in, in, like you making them feel inferior. So they Correct. feel like they have to lash out. It's so funny, and like, and and like, the best way to respond is always to be nice to them. Hundred percent, because they they either will be like, oh, oh yeah, fuck you, man, or they'll be like, oh fuck, I feel really bad. Yeah, see that you sent me a thing. Like, it wasn't hate; it was probably just taking the piss. But there was a video. One of the clips we posted went like pretty, like pretty viral last week, and it was just me talking. I didn't sh like I had like hair up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Oh, nice neck beard, bro." 
And I go, oh, thanks for the, I'll shave your neck, but I'll say, oh, thanks for the tip, homie. Yeah, he yeah. goes, oh, fuck, now I feel really bad. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, why hate, you know? It's oh, good. Like, if he sees that, I know he's watching. I, I fucking, I know, no, yeah. no, no animosity towards yeah, yeah, yeah. it at all. Like, we're, funny, we, you know? we always take the piss, you yeah, know? Like, yeah, I'm yeah, like exactly. it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like, you can talk shit all you want online, that's fine, yeah. you know, and go for it. Like, we're not, we're not super serious people. Like, yes, we're serious when it comes yeah. to business, but when it comes to life, have fun, take the piss, yeah, take it, exactly. you know, take a joke. And um, the reality of it is, you know, people are always going to talk shit and, just don't fucking talk shit back. Just yeah. just really be that person that's genuine. Show who you are and let your success and let your humility and let your personality do the talking rather than, you know, actually fight the back. Th the thing is the thoughts of people that aren't in like your inner, inner circle shouldn't fucking matter to you because they don't know who you are. They don't know your 100%. values. They don't know what you're walking towards. They don't know what you care about and what you do and what you give. Agreed. They do not know. As long as you know that and it's not some of the closest five, ten people in your life that are Correct. saying, hey, you're, you're not, this isn't nice what you're doing and then maybe you take that into yep. consideration. Not take it as gospel, but take it into consideration. But anyone outside that, particularly on social media, who's never fucking met you a day in their life, hundred fucking hate you, don't let it get to you. So many people, massive successful people, let it get to them. And it's like, you just shouldn't, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, this, this is something that my PE teacher taught me back in the day, right? Like, you know, assumptions. Yeah. No matter where you're going to go in life, people are going to draw assumptions and they're going to look at pictures. They're going to look at what you post. Like, I, I post some very controversial stuff on my stories. Like, yeah. I'm not afraid to give it to people. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm a straight talker. I yeah. don't care what you think about me. I will tell it to you as it is. Yeah. And I trigger a lot of people. Yeah. And honestly, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. The reality of it is I will speak my mind. I will speak my perspective. And whether or not that aligns with you is up to you. But the people out there will draw assumptions. But the reality of that is even the word assumption, assume, makes an ass out of you and me, right? And so if you're going to be out there assuming certain positions, you're going to be assuming certain sort of environments and certain, um, certain scenarios, that's on you. That's not on me. I'm just doing my part. And if you don't know me, you have no right to speak ill of me based on the assumptions that you're creating in your mind. Yeah. But go for it. To each their own. Don't give a fuck. I'll do my own thing. You go do your own thing. And if you're happy, you're genuinely happy talking shit about someone you've never met yeah. online, right? And you're genuinely happy with yourself, fucking go for it. I, That's yeah. on you, you know, but... If you're yeah, if you're not happy, well, maybe you got to check yourself. Look in the mirror for a second. And that's the thing is, though, going back to what we were talking about before, they might see someone mention one, have, share a thought on one specific mm -hmm. topic, and they will then automatically clump you in with this group of people that I've already predetermined is a bad group of people, and then they're going to start hating on you. If, you. if you're doing that, you've already lost. 100%. 100% fucking percent. Like, never, ever stoop to their level. Mm. That's, that's what I absolutely, you know, agree with and believe in. Most important thing is you do you. Yeah. And if you are genuinely a good person, that will always come through. Like I've had so many messages of people like messaging me. They go, oh, I thought you were such a fucking asshole. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, met yeah. you, and then I met you in person and you're the nice, nicest yeah. person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, you look intimidating. But when I speak to you, like, wow, you, you're so supportive. You're so, so, so helpful. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just me, bro. Like yeah. you can make as many assumptions as you want based on what you see on me online, based on any, you know, whatever people post about me. But the reality is, is when you meet me, you will see me for who I am. Mm. I don't put on a fucking image. I don't need to. The reality is you can take my social media from me today. It doesn't matter. Mm. Like I'm, I'm a nobody on social media anyway. Like the reality of that is I'm still going to be living my life. I'm still going to be building my businesses. I'm still going to be supporting yeah. my friends. I'll still rock up to every one of my friends' things. And I'll still always be there for them. doesn't matter whether you take my platform away. It doesn't matter whatever. I will always be there for my people. And that's just the reality of who I am as a human being. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter what you think of me. I will always be that person that's going to be me. Mm. Like, I don't need to put on a fake image. And I would much rather lose a million dollars than to sacrifice my integrity. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of people do lately, especially. And that's the thing, like, 
I'm just starting to give a fuck less and less. Yeah, hundred like, percent, bro. 100%. Fuck living with all these bullshit rules and you 100%. can't fucking percent. Like, bro, I know people that know me know that I'm a very fucking fun-loving, caring guy, bro. I'm very energetic. I'm a yeah. positive person. Like, if you if I'm gonna say something and you don't agree with it and you wanna hate on me, honestly, go go for gold, bro. <laughs> fucking hope. But it's uh, it's getting to the point like. Because of this whole cancel culture thing, you feel like people can't talk about any any topic anymore. Correct, correct. Can't share their real thoughts. And it's like, do I want to be a part of a society like that? Correct. I, Not I really. I, if the society needs leaders to do that, and if I don't have the balls to just speak my mind about things I care about, then what are the chances of other people that are, you know not as progressed in their journey of like creating their own life on their own yep. terms with their own freedom, you know? Yep, correct. Like I think leaders have a responsibility. Yeah. Our responsibility is not to just, not to be polarizing intentionally, No. but our, our responsibility as leaders is to actually to, to stick to our beliefs, mm-hmm. not to bend to just the will of society yep. or the masses. We as leaders, we have our own, we're thought leaders for a reason because we have our own specific thought processes, experiences, perspectives that create our beliefs, create the sort of philosophy that we live by. You know, and everyone always jokes, oh, Alan, you're like such a philosopher. You're like this person. You're like that. I always get people messaging me. They're like, oh, you're like Epictetus. You're like, you know, this. You're like that. You're modern day Confucius. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the reason why it sounds like that is because I'm not afraid to actually talk about the things I fucking believe in. Mm. I'm not going to post up a quote that is generic that I found off Google. I will actually share my beliefs. Like people that follow me on my stories will know. And it's like I post on stories daily, like five to ten stories daily. And I have, tre- I have treated social media like my personal diary for the last maybe four or five years of my life. And it's these thoughts. I don't filter them. I don't sit here and go, people always go, how the fuck do you write so much on social media in such a short time? Bro, because I don't script this shit. Like, this is just how I think. This is literally my psyche. This is literally my philosophy. And I'm sharing that with you guys directly. And whether you like me or not, hey, there is a button called follow and unfollow. Fucking go unfollow me if you don't yeah. agree with what I believe in. And if you like what I believe in, then fucking follow me. Like, it's yeah. as simple as that, right? I will always share that. And I think as a leader in society, we shouldn't need to bend to the wills of the masses. As a leader in society, living our life and actually progressing um, in our own lives, if we have an ability to share and give our knowledge back to people, we should. and we should never really need to bend to what society thinks and I think that's really really as much as I I hate saying this as soft as that sounds it's like we as leaders should not bend because you know we have the responsibility to be at the front if we're at the front and we bend over then well we just get fucked right yeah and it's really really bad because you know if we can't lead then what do we do like that's that's the position like we the only thing we're good at is being at the front and showing people where to go. You know, leaders always, what do they do? They know the way, they go the way, they show the way. Yeah. But in this reality is if we don't go the way, even if we don't know the way, that's fine, but we have to go the way. But if we don't show the way, then, well, fuck, what's the point of being a leader? You might as well just be nobody and just walk around doing nothing all day. Yeah. Right? Like, what's the point of that? It's because, like, so too many people are stuck in the victim mentality. Oh, fuck, and bro. Like, don't, don't even get started on that. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, crazy. Obviously, living in Newtown, it's a very, uh, like, socially progressive area, and I love that. I, I, yeah. I love, I'm very socially progressive and liberal mm. as well. But like I start seeing flyers up for them like capitalism is the worst thing in the world, yep. evil, 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 um, socialism's the way, communism's the way. It's like all this is just like really if you crack it down like in Australia, you you, you and your parents know in Australia, yeah. just to be here you have amazing oh, opportunity to make your life. fucking blessing. Like people don't realise they've got no perspective of what the world really is like. I believe in not equality of outcome, equality of opportunity. Correct. Don't fucking complain that your life sucks and that everyone that has money is evil. Sure, the top 0.1%, maybe they are. But everyone that's making a couple million successful businesses, a lot of people are doing it out of good to serve the world. It's not like 
just reflect on yourself and like take responsibility for your life and where it is. Correct. And don't blame the system and Correct. don't blame the government for your, yeah. you know, unfortunate situation. Take responsibility. 100%. Where am I? Where do I want to be? And fucking make a plan and take the steps to do it. Or I, you're going to be stuck bro, forever. Like you, you can't speak that any better. Like that's just the reality of things. Like I came to Australia. My parents came to Australia as immigrants. We had fucking nothing. There was a period in our life where we lost everything due to GFC. We ate out of garbage bins for a while. Like, that's the sort of lifestyle I went through, but I'm still able to create out of that at the end of the day who I am today. And I'm not gonna sit here, oh fuck, my life sucks. You know, I, I, I'm not gonna take responsibility for my life. Fuck, we ate out a garbage bin, I'm a fucking nobody. Like I'm not gonna sit here and complain and play victim that life is fucking hard. Of course life is hard. Everyone has a fucking hard life. That's just the reality of it. You know, the systems are already in place. What are you gonna do, overthrow the government? Yeah. You're not gonna fucking do that, yeah. right? What you're going to do is you can slowly incite change and that's fine. Like I went back to Sydney you need to see a friend's graduation. I went to Sydney Uni. So obviously it's quite charged there. Yeah. Whether it's political issues, whether it's quite charged. <laughs> yeah. And the same protest that was going on 10 fucking years ago is still going on 10 fucking years later. Yeah. And like what difference has been made? There's not much. You may have now created a little bit of a wave, but it's the same people that are doing that. And it's yeah. like, and I'm looking at that. And I'm like, guys, uni was finished five years ago. You should probably move on with your fucking life. Yeah. And the reality is, if if you don't take responsibility for your own situation, it doesn't matter how fucking shit your life is, it's still gonna stay shit if you don't take responsibility yeah. for it. I, I think the two most important things for someone if you want to have a life that you really want, there's self-awareness and personal responsibility. Hundred oh, fucking percent. Personal responsibility. You are responsible for you and your life and the life of your family. It's not like I said this before, like it's not don't blame the guy like as I said, if there's a few, there'll be a few people amongst our society that really feel like their mission is to be be it like a proper change, like a catalyst for change and change the way things mm -hmm. work in government and change this system and that. Mm -hmm. But uh, for the 99.9% .9 of people that aren't that, just get on with your life. 100%. Figure out a plan. Like there's so much resources out there, motivation, inspiration. You can do it. I'm not hating on you, mm. but like take personal responsibility for your situation. I agree. Instead of blaming everyone else. I agree. Like I always say to people, if you want to change the world, Fucking change yourself first. Yes. It's as simple as that, right? We are all responsible for our own lives. Yes, the world sucks. Yes, you know, you might not like people eating animals. Yes, you might not like a certain political view. Yes, you might not like capitalism. But hey, you know, there are also billionaires out there that with one donation will be donating more than your entire family's historical net worth yeah. in yeah. one fucking check. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to change the world. Like, fuck these capitalists. But then this capitalist has made a more real, impactful, logical and physical difference than you have in your entire 50 generations of existence. Yeah. In one fucking check. Dude, so like, yeah, I, was, I don't I get it, man. I was actually talking to my partner Mel about this, I think last week. And it was like... Because I, I realized that I'm living in, in a sense, a selfish life. Like I'm focusing a lot of my energy on building up my platform, my wealth for myself. But then once I've done that, I can go and create impact, create change, oh, donate. hundred fucking I thought, percent. Should I, like, should I, again, I'm, I never considered it, but part of me thinks, should I, am I more service to the world if I just give up all my business and all my money and just try and advocate for things that I care about? Mm. But like, I'm going to be, it's going to create such a small amount of change by doing that. If I can build up some wealth and a platform, then if I really do want to be a change maker and do good for the world, I'm in a much better place to do that anyway. Correct. I agree. Look, I think it all ties together. To be able to make real impactful change, you have to be in the top tier echelon of society. You yeah. have to be in that top 
top group. As unfortunate as it is, that's reality. That That is literally the reality. Like someone who has a $500 million net worth versus someone who has a $500,000 net worth, it's two different sticks. And for someone who has $500 million at their, expo like at their disposal, people might be like, oh, fuck, you have so much money. Why don't you do that? Number one, not all of that dollars is in liquid. Probably, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Majority of that 500 mil, you probably have two, three million dollars in liquid, right? Yeah. So you can't tap into any fucking money other than that. But if the person who has 500 million dollars has the network, he has the voice, this person, if they're a public figure, look at Tony Robbins, for example, right? Like, you know, this guy's almost worth a billion dollars. If he wants to write a check, it's a two million dollar check to charity. If we, as the average Joe in Australia, making the average salary of $92,000, we want to write a check, what's the biggest check you can write? You can barely save $20,000 a year, let alone to write a fucking $5 million check or a $2 million check. You know, and, and this is something that I learned as well. It's like back in the day, I, was, I used to think, you know, I was so cool because I can donate to charity. Like here's $50 to the cancer council. Here's $50 to whatever, right? And I can do that. And then all of a sudden, now that we've made a little bit of money, like during the Australian bushfires, me and my brother, we looked at each other. Why don't we just, because we have a business, we go, why don't we donate all the proceeds, all the profits from this drop of our release to the bushfires? So we can do that and then all of a sudden we can write a three, $4,000 check for someone that's been in business for six months. That is much more impactful than a $50 check that I could write when I was working a job, right? And then now like looking at whatever I'm doing with my life is this business has allowed me and given me a platform to not only voice my, my perspectives, my opinions, but also at the same time it has allowed me to change lives. Like this morning, someone messaged me, you saved my life, right? And for me to be able to receive messages like that, if I wasn't part of this whole capitalistic game, I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, if I was just going about my day in day-to-day -day living, and this is no shade to anyone that works a nine to five or whatever, or a corporate job, no shade to them at all. But if I was working in a corporate job, for example, I wouldn't have the philosophies that I have. I wouldn't have the teachings that I have. I wouldn't have the knowledge, the experience, the exposure to the real world that I have. Like I've spent time with billionaires. I've mentored, I've been mentored by people worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I've been a part of almost every business industry that has been, a, that, that exists. And the only reason I have such a wide variety of knowledge and experience is because I decided to choose to go out there and decide to find a way to make more money for myself that not only can I support myself, support the people around me. And it's not just the money side of things. I can now give opportunity. I can now take friends who have never had opportunity in their life and go, hey, I want you to be my business partner. You're extremely yeah. talented, but you've been in the wrong area of life and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you get to a better area of life. Let's work together. I can now hire staff. I can feed someone's fucking family, yeah. right? I am now able to do charity work in bigger volumes. I don't need to just donate money anymore. I can donate my time. I can donate food. I can donate products. I can donate services. I can do all of that sort of stuff now because I have an ability and I've created a resource for myself and asset it, rather than just me being able to donate money. I think money is the lowest den denominator of any sort of asset that you can actually donate. And the reality of that is for a lot of people that are hating on this sort of stuff, and you know what, good on you, that's fine. But if you really want to make impactful difference, you hate on these capitalists, go and donate more money than them. Go yeah. and serve more than them. Go and do whatever you can. Yes, there are going to be shit people in every category. I guarantee you there is a fucking crazy vegan out there. I guarantee you there's a crazy fucking rich person out there. There is a crazy, you know, mogul or whatever. There are always going to be extremes in every sort of area. But if you're allowing that extreme to dictate the whole entire group, then something is very fucking wrong with your awareness. Because the 0.001% minority does not represent the majority of yeah. any fucking group. And that is full stop, port, like there is no arguing that.
at all. And if you can't see beyond that, I think that is a reflection more of your own lack of self-awareness than what the world is actually doing. And like you can look at, that's the thing with, with that mindset as well. You can look at capitalism as the problem, particularly like I understand where they're coming from. As a societal thing, I can see where they don't, may not agree with it, even though I disagree with that. But on a personal level, capitalism is the way out mm -hmm. for everyone. It gives everyone the opportunity of the way out. Correct. And it's like, yeah, I just see it all the time. And like, I'll tell you, if you're going to hate on this and like, you're going to say like, just Australia's not going to become a socialist country. So Correct. you can just, you know. 100%. I mean, if you really think about it, a lot of people, and this is really politically, like, you know, we don't, I don't usually talk about political no, stuff. No, neither do I. Because that's not something that I'm extremely passionate no. about, nor do I know a lot about. I usually don't talk about things I don't have extreme knowledge mm -hmm. in. But the reality of it is, is a lot of these people who are saying, oh, communism is better or whatever, go live in China. Mm -hmm. Go live in North Korea. You tell me if communism is better. Yeah. But you've never been there. So how can you tell me that's better? Just because you've read it in books doesn't mean it's a reality. Just because you've gone to uni, done the theory, doesn't mean it's reality. And that applies to every fucking yeah. thing in life. Go and do it. I agree. You, yeah. you tell me you want to you wanna do support work. Have you ever traveled out of Australia? Yeah. You, you tell me you want to do charity. Have you ever gone to a third world country? Like, you haven't, you haven't done that. So how the fuck can you tell me you're making a difference? Yeah. Just because you're protesting, just because you're screaming at someone, doesn't mean you're making a difference. The real difference is made when you actually physically get hands on and actually go and do it. Yeah. Don't don't live a life that you're fucking faking, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I, I I agree. I'm not this. I'm not. He's got a little bit like no, I don't want to call this political, but the, the reason why we got so into it, I feel like, is because my biggest message. I think the thing that's most important for me is creating a life that makes you happy Correct. and going after or what <laughs> what's going to fulfill you and, and and give you joy and and let you live on your own terms. And I think. It's possible. If you're Agreed. in Australia, if you're listening to a podcast right now, it is Bro, possible you. are for you. fucking so blessed right yeah. now that you don't understand. Like I've seen some of the poorest countries when I went to Africa, yeah. when I've been to a lot of Southeast Asian countries, like it's fucking poor. Mm. For you to be able to have the internet, for you to have a roof over your head, I'm like, you have to be blessed. Yeah. Like, you know, we are in a society where Australians are technically the richest in the world, right? A news article came out yesterday. It's like there are, 20, there are 2 million millionaires in Australia. And there are like, what is it, five uh, five thousand people worth over a hundred million dollars in Australia. Like we are the richest like country in the world per capita. And so if we are the richest country in the world and we are in our we are literally in our own bubble. Like I and I say this to a lot of friends of mine that are middle upper middle class that have never stepped out of their bubble. Like if you've lived in, for example, the North Shore, you've lived in the Hills area, wherever, like where all the rich Asians are, or you know, whatever it is, you've you've lived in all the rich areas your whole entire life, you can't even see outside that. You're in that yeah. bubble. Go travel down to Liverpool. Go to Preston's. Yeah. You will see, you know, even my area, you will see the gangs. You yeah. will see the people selling drugs. You will yeah. see all the drug dealers. You will see, like, people stabbing each other. You will see people getting shot. You will see, like, all of this crazy shit happening. And that's in your own neighborhood of fucking Sydney. Now, imagine the rest of the country, then the rest of the world. If you can't see beyond that, and a lot of people, I think, are very tunneled vision because we live in such a blessed country, right? And if we don't take the opportunity to actually grow ourselves and pursue what we genuinely find is our passion and we get stuck and caught up in this whole mindset of I have to belong to a social like movement or whatever yeah. it really fucks with you because you know genuinely if you really want to belong to a social movement go out there and actually put yourself in that position yeah. you talk about gang crimes or these kids that are uneducated have you ever spent a single fucking minute with a kid that has had a broken household that has gone through a divorced family six times that has grown up with no dad have you ever sat next to a kid like that and actually spoken and spent time with him no you fucking haven't so do you even have a right to protest on this and that you probably don't 
If you haven't grown up in that environment, you can't. A lot of my close friends, you know, that I've seen growing up, they're either drug dealers, they've been to jail, you know, I've had friends that have done a lot of really bad shit and I've met a lot of people that have done that. Do I understand their perspective? Absolutely, I fucking understand their perspective. Do I want to try and help them in their life? Absolutely, I do. I try to get my friends off the street and the only reason that I can do that is if I'm able to lead, if yeah. I'm able to create opportunities for them. I can't, if I had no opportunities to give, how can I go to my mate that has been grown up, that has grown up in the ghetto and go, hey, look, um, you know, you might be a drug dealer and um, you know, you're making X amount of dollars a week, you're doing really bad shit to society. And I go, oh, sorry, I have no opportunity for you. So I'm just gonna sit here and watch you. I'm gonna tell you, you're being a bad fucking person. Whereas I can go, you know what? Come and work for me, I have a job. Let me mentor you, let me take you out of that. I can do that now because I have the ability. Yeah. But before, if I never had that opportunity, I can't. I look at my friends that are doing bad shit, they're in gangs, you know, they're out there smashing things, stealing. I, I look at them and I go, I want to help you, but I physically, and I don't have the capacity right now to give you anything to bring you out of that. But if I can create opportunities for them, I will, and I will bring them out of it. Yeah. Speaking on that, the business, let's talk mm. about Cheeky Glow. How did it start? Where did the idea come from? And then you did your first million in 11 months. So, yeah. so extremely that was, successful yeah. launch first year. Talk to me about that. So that was that was actually a very, very interesting business. So back then I was still with uh, my ex-girlfriend. So, yep. so to clarify, my ex-girlfriend is my business partner. Um, we were together for about seven years, seven and a half years. Um, I just went to America. So this was back probably 2018. I went to America um, to learn. So my cousin had a company called Anova. Um, and Anova is a sous vide company that became the number one Amazon selling product. Um, he, he had an exit with that company. So he called me over to America. So I flew over to learn from him. Obviously, you want to learn from someone who just sold a company for $250 million. Yeah. You know, that's like $400 million Australian, right? And so that's uh, not a bad exit. So, you know, when he calls you up, you go. So I went over to learn from him. My ex-girlfriend at the time, Cece, she went to China. Um, she went to Beijing, Peking Uni, to do a bit of Chinese studies. So we were long distance for a while. And then, so while she was there, she went to visit her family in Harbin, China. Harbin, China is on the very north. It's like on the edge between Russia and China. And, um, you know, over there's super cold. It's like negative 30, negative 40, negative 50 degrees. They literally have an ice festival, like during winter, where they create giant ice sculptures that are the size of skyscrapers. Like it's fucking ridiculous. But there in China is a culture that has been there for thousands of years, which is bathhouses and exfoliation. The Chinese beauty history is very deep extends millennia right like kings and queens always want to be beautiful yeah. and they want to live forever like the whole chinese history side of things is how do i live forever and look as beautiful as i can forever yeah. that's the whole like ethos behind chinese history right and so she was there she went she like you know she did this as a thing for her whole entire childhood going to bathhouses with family and doing all of that sort of stuff and so she was there so she was like reconnected with this product and I was like, okay, that's really cool. So when we came, both came back to Sydney because of COVID, um, we literally came back the week before Sydney went into that hard lockdown. And then, so we both came back to Sydney um, and I actually went to visit her in China. We spent some time together. And then we both came back to Sydney and we were just in my bedroom one day. And I was like, you can't work your job right now because she was working retail at the time. It's like, you can't work your job right now. And my businesses, I'm kind of like taking a chill from because I've reset everything, right? Like I was in America for almost six months. I was like, so my businesses are pretty much not moving and I need to do a bit of a hard reset. So I came back, first thing I did was launch a business with my brother, because I was like, well, you're a really talented artist, let's do something together. Um, so we started econ, econ business together. My ex joined that, she worked with me for a bit in that. Um, and then after that, I was like to my ex, I was like, I was like, CC, let's, let's do something, right? And then so she was like, I was like, your job, go find me a product and I'll build everything else. And then so, you know, we, we, I'm an artist for a bit. So that business was definitely a slower startup than, you know, Fluid Project. Fluid 
extremely quick. The fastest thing I've ever fucking <laughs> done in my life. Um, and then, um, so we, we, we sat there, we um denied for a bit. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it, let's just do it. And so she's like, I have X, Y, Z. She gave me like a list of like five, six products. And I was like, no, no, no. Let's see if there's anything in the market that's doing anything similar. We found a couple of competitors that proved my concept. And then I was like, okay, there's competitors that are making it happen. That proves the concept. Let's go and make our own thing. Like this is from our own culture anyway, right? Like this is a Chinese, like this is, this is Chinese culture. This is Chinese tradition. So we're both Chinese. Why don't we actually, you know, bring this into a Western society? And, um, me and me and her would both have the same agreement is that whatever blows up in China first will eventually blow up in Australia. Like that's the rule. Right. And so we, we were looking around on Chinese, um, TikTok, which is our favorite research tool. Chinese TikTok is called Douyin. And you can only download that if you're in China, you can't download that in Australia, but she had it downloaded. So we're going through it and we're like, Oh fuck, this is really cool. So we had that idea. And then that night I remember I was just like, okay, fuck it. Let's pull the trigger. I paid for my first batch of inventory and I got all the website stuff done. And I literally, I think I worked for 16 hours straight that day. Website was up, branding was done. Log uh, logos were drawn. Um, trademarks were registered and business name was bought. Domains were bought, literally did that all within 16 hours. And then we're like, fuck it, let's go for it. Yeah. So the stock arrives, I think we expressed it because obviously you wanna launch it. So we yeah. expressed it from China, cost an arm and a leg. Um, we got the stock in and then we posted, got nothing. And then um, our friends and family were like, oh, that's, just, that's so cool, they supported us. I think our first 32 orders, if I remember correctly, were all friends. I put it up on my stories, she put it up on her stories. We had that business, all friends, 32 orders. And then I was like to her, I've had relatively good success with my other business um, doing TikTok. So I grew to 300,000 followers for that business on TikTok in, I think it was like two months at the time. And I remember I had one video go viral on that TikTok and it made me $20,000 overnight. Is this the anime business The anime together? business, yeah. yeah. And then so that blew up and that got me $20,000 of sales overnight. And that's zero ad spend, right? So the profit's quite high on that. So it's pretty good. I was like, holy fuck, that went well. <laughs> I was like, to, I was like, to, I was like to CC, I'm like, make TikToks now, right? You're more creative than me, make TikToks. Yeah. So she made TikToks, nothing. First one, nothing. Second one, nothing. Third one, nothing. Fourth one, nothing. I think it was the fifth or the sixth video. It got like 28,000 views overnight. And then bang, we had 300 orders the next morning. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. We were like, what the fuck? Like it's just cha-ching, 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 yeah, cha yeah, yeah. And we're just like, what the fuck? We're like, we're making sales. I was like, when the first one came through, I was like, do you recognize this name? She was like, no, I don't recognize that name. I'm like, I don't recognize that name. It's our first stranger. And yeah, I think yeah. on social, on, um, on, on the e-commerce journey, the hardest thing is getting the first stranger to yeah. convert. And so after the friends and family, that's the easy part, you know? And then when the first stranger converts, that's when you go, oh fuck, this is real. And so we had that moment. I think this was about day three or four of the business. And then we had that moment and we sold out that same night. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, that night we sold out of all of our inventory. I think we had three or 400 units. We're like, what the fuck? Make the order now. And then yeah. that way we just went bang, made a 5,000 unit order. And then that's where the wow. journey went. And I think it took us yeah about 10 months, just, yeah, just over 10 months to hit our first million in revenue. And, um, that was an incredible journey. Like that was a whirlwind. We had no idea. We went from, we went to 20K for the first month, then 40K, then 60, and then 100, 120, $200,000 a month. And we grew that business to, um, yeah, million dollars in the first 10 months. We've doubled that since and you know it's still growing now. And so like now it's just riding out the recession, really yeah. figuring out the, the new wave of you know, yeah. how can we innovate and grow the business. But that was pretty much how the business began. And Cece did a lot of the marketing. She's phenomenal um, at the TikTok now. And so- 
you know, she's become the face of the business and yeah. I'm just the dude that sits in the back that, yeah, you know, yeah. that just chills and builds the business. But yeah, she's definitely become the face and it's gone crazy. So is organic TikTok still one of your biggest drivers of revenue? Oh, 100%. I think we've created a significant branding, like brand awareness on TikTok yeah. is, is crazy. Like I always say this to all business owners, like if you're not on TikTok, what, like, what are you fucking doing? Mm. You know, it is the newest platform and we all know in social media, the newest platform is the Go platform. Yeah. Um, you know, advertising costs in Facebook, Instagram continually rising. TikTok, the paid advertising side, I think is still very, very green, very right? early stages. Yeah. Like some days, phenomenal. Some days, absolute dog shit. But that's just the reality of a new ad platform. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? It takes time to mature and dial in on its targeting. Um, but if you can really figure out how to go viral on TikTok, that is crazy. Because right, right? Bro, all it takes is one viral video to change your life. Yeah. And people don't understand the power of that is that. You can be an absolute nobody one day and on TikTok you can blow up. Like Cece recently had a video, she went to Karen's Diner and she had a video hit 68 million views in a week. Wow. She gained 400,000 followers. 68 million fucking views in a week. Some shit like that. Ridiculous. That's mental. 400,000 followers. Like, tell me another platform. Tell me you can do that on Instagram, Facebook right now. You cannot. Yeah. Well, we, we launched um, the podcast and uh, the Instagram and the TikTok pages at the same time. Yeah. We post the same clips on both platforms. I think we got like, what is it, 4,000 4, on yeah. TikTok and like 700 on Instagram. 100%. The same content. It's, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It just goes to show you like TikTok is it. Yeah. You know, you have to be on TikTok and you have to be really good at TikTok. Yeah. And it's just crazy because you can then cross convert and cross post. Because how, what's your AOV for Cheeky Go like? Um, currently, so when we first started the business, AOV was very low, obviously. Yeah. I think it was like $28 for yeah, AOV. Yeah. And then over the next six months, we've now grown the AOV to roughly about $80, $76 oh, okay. roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. with that product, when you've launched $30 yeah. product, it's anywhere between 30 and 50 with fa Facebook CPMs, $20, oh, $30, bro, now, how do you make nah, profit off that? You can't make anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make, so we, we actually, I held off an ad spend for the first four months. Yeah. So the first four months of any dollar that Cheeky Glow made was very good in terms of profit margin because it was all organic. Organic, yeah. And we love organic, you know? If yeah. I can do organic, I'll fucking do organic for the rest of yeah, my life. Yeah, yeah, But you cannot compete on just organic, right? Yeah. So you have to mix it up with ad spend. Yeah. Um, and like you said, Facebook CPM, fucking 20 to 30 bucks. It's, it's horrendous. And that is all of my product, let alone my rent, let alone my staff. <laughs> Packaging costs, shipping yeah. costs, logistics, all of that. And yeah. Australia Post just bumped their prices up again, yeah. you know. And so, like, you know, now that we have shipping rates going up another ten percent, it's like, well, it's very difficult for small business owners. Yeah. So yeah, we tried to stick to organic for as long as possible, and then obviously you have to increase the AOV. Yeah. Like as any e-commerce business, not even any e-commerce business, any business in general, if you're, I, I genuinely believe, if you have a sub one hundred AOV right now, it's extremely hard to do business yeah. profitably. Yeah. Yeah. So we're continually trying to grow that AOV up to that $100 mark um, or more because that's the only way you can stay profitable and still make, you know, $20 to $30 per product or yeah, per, that's per whatever. Exactly. That's why we're lucky in, in certain senses that like we got like $250 AOV. So we're good with that. But also there's pros and cons to both models. If you're around probably that $100, $150 mm. marks is sweet spot because if we're selling like our top of the line IPLs, $300, $350 yeah. – it's TikTok sometimes isn't the best platform. So it's like you got to figure out what works best for your brand. And it's always, always going to be a blended approach. Right? Correct, correct. Businesses five years ago could start and only they could have just a Facebook ads account and a website. Yep. And, and you they'll make, make thousands and thousands of dollars. Make bank. There's not a chance of you doing that anymore. hundred percent. There is no chance. Not a chance. No. And have you seen, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, do you know Homozzi? Homo yeah, 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 Alex. He's amazing. Yeah, here we go. Amazing. He, he, he he's like, well, I'm like his biggest fan. Bro, bro nah, he, he's he my favorite bro, content he, creator now. Like I've, I've watched a lot of content creators. Yeah. Right? 
he right now is the most aligned person to who I who I am yeah, as bro. a personality as well. Same. Like his philosophies align to me pretty much a hundred percent. Yeah. And I genuinely like his humility, his business acumen, like the way he speaks, the way he communicates, the way he educates. Like Hormozzi is like one of my favorite fucking people yeah. right now yeah, on the yeah. planet. Exactly. Um, and everything that is his content, I'm absorbing at a mass rate. At I learned so much from his videos, man. Amazing. And he, I don't know if it was, I watched it recently. I don't know if it came out recently. It was him talking about he spends, let's say, fucking $20,000 for co content production between him and Layla. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like he gets X amount of um, reach from that. If he was to spend that on at paid, yeah. he would be getting like a tenth of the amount of reach versus organic, him investing the money to make the content good. Yeah. And then the, the organic reach will get way more if you can put out good content 100%. than just relying on paid. 100%. Well, didn't he sell his book? Like he went became an Amazon number one seller. Like yeah. no ad spend, nothing. Yeah, yeah. And it was just for organic content. And like that that I think is unbelievable. And he's, he's tapped into it. Like, you know, obviously Gary Vee started the whole yeah. post, 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 you know, jab, yeah. jab, 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 right hook, right? Like yeah. the whole thing. And I think that's great, right? Um, I remember when I met Gary as well. So I made some content with Gary like yeah. maybe a couple of years back and I asked him and you know he's always talking and preaching the patient side of things yeah and I think that's the truth for a lot of us as business owners we we try to force our success um this is something my um this is something Cece's mom actually said to me she was like to me you know success takes time you can't force it no matter how you know how you know you really want it now you cannot force success she was like to me you know there is a certain age you need to get to and a certain level of experience you need to get to before the success starts to roll in and I remember this from her as well and I was like look auntie like that's fucking bullshit. I will make my success now. Like, what yeah. do you mean I need to wait till I'm like 30 to be successful? I was like, I'm fucking 25. I'm a young buck. I'm going to go do this. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. I'll make it happen, right? I'll always make it happen. I'll make it happen now. And the, the older I get, the more I realize, right? Like, I'm 27 now. The more I realize that if I try to force that success, the further success runs away from me. If I actually focus on just getting really good at what I do, if I actually just focus on becoming the best that I can be in a certain area in my business, that opportunity slowly comes and you get more aware of these opportunities and you see them better, which allows you to be more successful in the, you know, down the line as well. So I was like, hmm, that's a good, that's a good tip. Don't force your, your success. And genuinely, like if you continue to persist and create and create and create, you will get there eventually. Yeah, and that's the thing. I believe that for sure. And Gary V was a massive, like he was my first big, like fucking influencer, call it influencer yeah. that I looked up to in the space. Ended up fucking spending heaps of time with him ar around the world. Yeah. And I remember like when I was in his office, I thought, fuck, anything is possible. Now, next one, we got to have like do something with a mozzie one day, bro. Oh, because 100%. right now, it's like as you age and you grow, like I still love Gary's content. You see, you say, receipts, yeah, receipts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fuck, he's just his own unique character. Yeah. But like as you grow and age, like different people and mentors will come into your 100%. life and like just learn as much as you can from yeah. them. Absorb as many lessons as you can. Like particularly like, not that I'm in a sales role right now, but what I learned about selling from Hormozzi is like, bro, this shit is way more beneficial than anything you can learn in uni. Agreed. hundred percent. Like yeah. I think I've learned way more in university, like not, not in university. So I've, I've learned way more in life and the people that I've met. Mm. I probably have learned way more in a one hour keynote than I have in a lot of my university degree. Like yeah. I did a science degree for fuck's sake. Like mm. it's completely useless to me yeah. and no shade at anyone who wants to go pursue a uni degree, but like you got to make sure your uni degree aligns with where you want to be in life. Otherwise yeah. you're just going to be 50 K in debt for fucking no reason. Like yeah. myself, yeah. you know, and that's, that's just the reality of things is, 
you learn so much more from mentors and actually mm. being in the field and going and taking the action yeah. than you do actually going out there and trying to read a book. Yeah. And I think there's no shade at reading a book. Read the fucking books. Listen to the podcast just like this. You know, go listen to the audibles. But if you're not taking action on it, what's the fucking point? Yeah. You know, and that's that's why like I, I'm in the process of writing a book at the moment and I'm just like, if I'm going to write this book, I have to write it and direct that at a person like myself who's willing to take action on the words that are on the pages. Yeah. And if if you're going to read the words that are on the pages, and I had a mentor tell me this once, is personal development is actually a chokehold on your success. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm like, personal development has helped me get to where I am today. But there are people out there that read books, read books, read books, and continue to read books, but nothing has changed in their life. And I was like, overdoing your personal development really fucks with you too because then yeah. there are a lot of people who have decision fatigue. Like... Read something, fucking implement it, do it. Yeah. Like, and I think Hormozy is really good because every time I see Hormozy's content, whether it's the bite-sized content or the long-form content, I go, fuck, what can I do to apply that to my business right now? What can I do to apply that to my personal life right now? And I have to go and test it and implement yeah, it. Yeah, and, and that's what I did. I, I was starting to feel the same. Like I, I'm a decent reader. Like yeah. I'm a massive reader, but I read probably, try and read 20 books a year. That's good. Um, But I, I realized like I was getting a bit like, you read all these books and then like, fuck, I'm learning so much, you highlight it. And then you move on and probably it's like 1% sticks with you from, yeah, from the book. 100%. So what I do that really helped me get way more value out of my book. So when I'm going through, I'll still highlight the, the, yeah. the things that mean the most to me. And what I do when I finish the book, I'll go through the whole book. I'll retype everything I highlighted. Then once I've done that, I'll look at, it might be a, a 10, 20, page, 30 pages of notes that, yeah. that I've typed up from it. And again, it's taking more time. I could have read another book in this time. 100%. But if, there's no point doing that if I'm not absorbing the lessons from the book I just read. And then what I'll do from that, however many like dot points I've, I've highlighted and wrote, I will then pick the top ones that I want to be able to memorize yeah. and talk about on part podcasts on a stage. Oh, and I'll no. put them on palm cards and I will memorize yeah. the best 10, 15 points from it. And that's how you fucking learn. Just smashing through as Agreed. many books as you can Agreed. isn't really going to be valuable. Yeah, Useless. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was always taught this as well by um, several mentors is like the best way to learn is to teach. And yes. that never stuck to me. And I was like, you know what? The best way to learn is to teach. So what I do is every time like you do, when I read a book, when I listen to a podcast, I don't read books anymore. I listen to audibles. Yep. Um, but when I li listen to audibles, I literally have a notes on my phone, mm. which is like fucking pages and yeah, pages yeah, long. Yeah. I'll write down a dot point and then I'll create a video on it. Every single one of those, I literally have a checklist that I go through and I'll yeah. create a video on it. And I remember there was this year, maybe about four years ago, I promised myself I was going to make one I was going to do one live stream a week, yeah. reflecting on everything that I've learned for the week. So yeah. I did that for 52 weeks straight. I made 52 live streams, an hour long each. And I didn't give a fuck if there was no one watching it. I would do it not because of viewers. I would not do it because of likes or clout or anything like that. I would do it because of myself to not only get better at speaking, to get more confident, but to actually learn the things that I'm yeah. actually learning. And so the best way to learn is to teach. And so I think everyone needs to do that. Yeah, I've got, I was talking to the boys, like we got a lot of content planned for the end of this year, but fucking tons next year. Yeah. And I said, bro, I've got that much from my notes, from all these things yeah. that like, it'd be you good. you got content for years. Just to like, years. yeah, because like you'll understand it. But then like, I don't just want to be regurgitating other people's things. That's why you got to fully understand it. And then you explain it from your eyes with Correct. your perspective and you put your spin on it. And then when people will learn that, they'll get, they'll get it in their own way. You know what I mean? Agreed. Like, um, let's, let's, before we finish up, let's, I want to talk about the fluid project okay, stuff. So 21 days from you decided you're going to do it to yeah. you launched. Yeah. How, how did this happen? Talk to me about the idea first yeah. and then the experience that led to you saying, fuck this, I'm going to do it. Yeah. 
and then we'll talk about the process. That, so the flawed project was crazy, like because I wanted to document the whole journey, right? Yeah. So I I never like I didn't really take my YouTube or anything seriously. I've before. watched pretty much all your yeah. vlogs. Yeah, and then so so I went and I vlogged it, right? Yeah. And then so I was like, you know what, fuck, it. I'm gonna vlog this journey. It's gonna be very interesting. So I was actually I went out and I wanted to figure out like things to do right so i've been single for a while now which means that i need to figure out date ideas yeah. like i'm a very big i'm very big on planning yeah. and i don't like doing boring dates either like if i'm going to take a girl out i want to make sure she has a good time i'm not going to just do the whole dinner and drinks that's boring as fuck mm. you know i want to be able to have a good experience and share memories i'm a sentimental person like i collect memories right that's me i literally have birthday cards from when i was five years old it's in yeah. a box and i still have everything <laughs> right? and so i collect everything and for me i collect memories that's the thing i collect most i don't care about your rolex i don't care about your you know gucci your chanel your lv i don't care about that all i care about is what experience did we share together what memory we shared together that for me is worth more than any materialistic item ever that i can come across and so, you know, out there looking for experiences, right? So I came across this experience. I first saw it, um, so the fluid bear stuff. I first saw that um, that concept on, again, Chinese TikTok. Yeah. Um, I saw that concept on Chinese TikTok maybe back in February, March. And I was like, fuck, this is so cool. I've never seen art like this before. Mm -hmm. And during that time, my TikTok was being flooded with feeds of people with like the canvases and they were like dripping the paint on it. Yeah. And it's mesmerizing, bro. You sit there for like hours and you're watching it and you're like, Fuck, bro, that is so therapeutic. Yeah. And so anyways, I was like, this would be really cool if there was something in Sydney that did it. No one had it at that stage. So then um, I actually went out with a friend of mine. We we went to an experience because one of these finally popped up. I saw my friend post the launch of it and then she connected with me with the owner because the owner was Chinese. Yeah. And I was talking to her and then um, you know, I actually went in for an experience to, to try it out. But the problem with that, it was a great experience. I, it was really fun. I was like, fuck, this is going to blow up. I know yeah. it is. Because my idea was, I saw this on TikTok or Chinese TikTok and I was like, I want to do something like this. But I was strapped with resources and yeah. my cash was tied up. So I was like, oh fuck, it's not the right time. I'm not going to do it. And then, you know, I, I, I just, I couldn't do it. And then, so when I went to the experience, I was like, this is really cool. Now, the problem here is, I always say this to people who ask me, how do you start a business? And I go, look, find a problem that you have experienced yourself through someone else's business and figure a way to do it better and to solve that problem. That's one of the best ways to start a business, right? And so I went to the experience, great experience. Everything about it was good except for how they operated. And I was like, mm, okay, cool. So there's a huge problem there. Great opportunity, bad operation, bad operator. And then, so when I went back to pick up my stuff, they had lost one of them, right? And so when they lost one of my uh, one of my projects, I'll call it, I was like really pissed off because when I went, I made this I made this thing with my friend. So we made one for each other. She made one for me. I made one for her. And then when I went back, they're like, uh, someone took yours. And I was like, what do you mean someone took mine? And so I looked at their system. No system. They didn't label anything. Things were all over the place. And it was very easy to lose something. So I was like, that really pissed me off because I was like, hold on a second. They literally said to me, oh, look, it happens. Just remake it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you seen Fluid Art? Like, <laughs> how do you fucking remake that? Yeah. So that gave me the shits. So I was like, okay, you can take anything from my life. Take my clothes, take my assets, take my money, take anything. But you cannot take my memories. You can't take my experience. Like, that pisses me off. Mm. So I was like, that fucking shits me, right? So I was like, I got back into the car. I called up my business partner, Fiona. And I was like, hey, Fiona. Um, I just had this experience at XYZ. And then she was like, oh my God, I had a bad experience there too. And I was like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Because I was like to her, what do you, what do you think? Like, I want to start this thing. I wanted to start this thing before, but I never do a business alone. That's one of my rules. Like, I don't like being a solopreneur. I like being, you know, an entrepreneur with co-founders. And I was like, I don't, I want to do this, but I don't want to do it alone. I'm like, how are you looking in terms of your life right now? Like, what's going on? And she was like to me, hey, someone else offered me to do a similar business too. 
And this person, she was like, I hate the name of their company. And she was like, I don't want to do it with them because one, they're strangers. And yeah. I was like to her, hold the fucking horses. I was like, someone's asking you to be a business partner with them. You don't know them. I'm like, you know me, right? And she's like, yeah, I know you. I'm like, do you trust me? Yeah. I'm like, do you have $10,000 spare? That's literally the fucking conversation. Yeah. And I was like, she was like, yeah, I kind of do. I was like, do you want to do this? And I was like, because I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm emotionally charged at the moment. Yeah. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, this was a great opportunity that I think they fumbled the ball on. Mm. And I think we have such a big space to move on this right now. And I was like, do you want to do this? And she was like, okay. And so literally that second, I didn't even drive. I was just like on my phone on commercialrealestate.com. I was like fucking searching for warehouses <laughs> straight away. Next day, I booked an appointment, rocked up to the warehouse. I was like, you know, and I was like, what's the deposit? What do I need to do? And I was like to Fiona, you give me 10, I'll put in 10, we'll start this thing together. I realized it didn't cost 10 each. Yeah. Uh, it was way more than that. It was yeah. way more than what we imagined. So I was like to Fiona, don't worry, I fucked up. That's my bad. I'll yeah. put the rest of it in. So I think that was the fastest I've ever deployed like 50K of my personal cash yeah. um, I've ever done before. Yeah. Because literally the next day after that, went to the bank, cashed out a check, put down the deposit, put down the bond. Yeah. And then I put in the inventory order and I was like, fuck, we're out of money. And then I was like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Let's just put some more in. I'm like, it'll come back eventually. Yeah. And so essentially it was, had the idea, got pissed off, um, called Fiona, took that emotion, channeled it into something that's productive and got a warehouse day one. And then uh, day seven or day eight, no, it's day 10, we got handed over the keys because it took a while to go through contracts, lawyers, all of that. That's something I've never done before. It's all a learning experience. Didn't realize how much lawyers costed, extra money there. Didn't realize how much the bond and deposit was kind of take out of my pocket. Put some money there and then didn't realize how expensive air freight was at the moment because I've been sea shipping everything for Cheeky Glow. Yeah. So I hadn't air freighted anything for like fucking a year. So then I had to air freight things over and because our products are huge, I think I, I brought in, it was like 10 cubic meters on a plane. That was like three and a half. No, that was, no, that was five grand on air freight just yeah. on that alone. And I was like, and that's excluding your import taxes, which, you know, slams another five, 600 bucks on that and transport 800 bucks. So it's like six grand. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We need to get it done. So I air expressed our first batch over because we're like, you know what? If we're going to launch it, we have to hit it hard. These guys, our competitors already have a one month advantage on us. Mm. You know, this opportunity, there's going to be copycats. There's going to be people. Let's do it. Let's do it well. Let's hit it hard. And then pretty much day 14, we had planned for an influencer event. So day 10, I got the keys. Day 14 was influencer event. My stock arrived day 13. Um, so day 10, I got the keys. Me and everyone went in. We worked 12 hours at the office. We cleaned everything. We fucking scrubbed the walls, washed the walls, and you know, because it was a warehouse. And then day 12, I did all the renos myself. So I went in with my best friend, Alan, um, and also the other friends that I had in the area. And we did the renos ourselves. I fucking drilled everything, built the shelves, did the signage. And then day 14, like literally got there in the morning. We did a pitch to our investors because we were always like, let's bring on some investors. And then day 14, we had our friends that were influencers come in. They had no idea that we had the keys handed over to us two days ago. They had no idea that our stock got in yesterday. Yeah. And then we launched, um, we didn't launch publicly, but day 14, we had the business kind of open up to a PR event. And then we organized all of that ourselves. And then they, I think it was about day 18, was the day we publicly launched, but it wasn't a public launch. It was a soft launch for friends and family. Mm. But that day, I don't know how people found out, but randoms just rocked up to the warehouse, booked in. Wow. And we're like, what the fuck? And when they booked in, we realized that the booking system we used didn't work properly. It allowed for one booking per person. It didn't allow for group bookings or anything like that. Yeah. So I switched bookings three times. And then so I switched booking systems three times for our website. 
Um, during that process, day one, I already had the website built. So I literally went home, got the domain website, I trademarked everything, bang, all done in day one. And then by the time we started booking people in, first booking system was fucked. Second booking system was fucked. Third booking system finally worked, but now we were triple booked. And we were not expecting the volume that we expected on day one because we were already full on one system, but we yeah. forgot to bring in people. And we're like, me, I looked at Fiona and we're like, why is there 25 people in this <laughs> session? Well, because our cap was 12 at the time. I was like, we had no staff. It was just me and her. We're yeah. like, why is there 25 people here? And then we're like, we fucked up. So you do what you got to do, right? Yeah. Like you're going to like, you make mistakes, happens. And so we just went in and we made it happen. And then now the business has been live to the public. We just had our one month. So our yeah first month anniversary was Sunday, um, just just last last Sunday. And then so that was that. Was that. We've been alive for a month and the business we've now, I think, done almost 60K. Yeah, wow. Like, so it's a, it's a 60K month compared to something like Cheeky Glow where our first month was 20 grand. Yeah. You know, now we've done a 60K month and I'm like, you know what? This is cool. Like I've had my hand at e-com businesses. Now let's do a physical business. Yeah. And let's see how we go physical business. And I've literally had people now pop up copycatting me as well, trying to create my vibe. Yeah. And I'm like, that's how fast people will copy your idea. Yeah. People can copy your product. People can copy your service. But trust me, they can never copy your customer service. They can never copy your experience. Yeah. They can never copy your culture. And if you're going to differentiate your business, you make sure you get those locked down. Yeah. And so that's where we are today. So we're at day, I think it's like, this is currently what? Day, day 50 in the business roughly, week seven. Yeah. Week seven from the idea to now, this is week seven. Um, but four weeks in proper public trading. So it's been a pretty intense experience. And, and how are you finding customers uh, with this business? Is it very different to e-com? Like what's very your, different, how, you, how you doing? Very it? different. I think e-com customers, obviously they don't really see you. They don't need to experience it. They experience it through your website and they experience it through your social media. For us, social media is still a pinnacle of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, so much so that our campaign, our PR campaign was actually taken by Melbourne University as um, a case study for their marketing students yeah. as what good social media marketing looks like. Because yeah. Um, yeah, I met a friend um, in Melbourne over the weekend and she was like, wait, you, you own the Fluid Project? Like Melbourne University has been talking about you guys for like the last three weeks using it as a case study. And I was like, that's fucking hectic. That's yeah. really cool, right? Like it's such a random thing. And so, you know, to to know that our marketing is hitting and it's hitting well is a, is a great feeling. But also at the same time is when you create a physical experience for people because our product is not just painting a canvas. It's not just painting a bear or any of the characters that we have. Our actual business itself is centered around the experience of being there. You know, we've got the warehouse vibes, we've got music playing, we've got lasers, lights. You know, you come here, you have a band with us. Like, you know, we will talk shit with you. We will make your date fun, right? We prepare special occasions. Like me and me and Fiona are both romantics. We love doing all the sappy shit, right? Like buying flowers, preparing flowers for a girl or their partner. We love surprising someone. And that's what we're seeing now is the customers that we're getting are here for an experience. That's completely different to a customer who's buying something for a certain need. Customers are now here for an experience, so we need to be able to provide good service for them so that they actually have fun and enjoy their time um, in the 90 minutes that they spend with us. And I think the customer side of things is we're hitting on the emotion of, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, babe, there's nothing else to do in Sydney. Let's go try something new yeah. compared to something like, oh, what's the need? Like, for example, if yours was like laser hair removal at home, something comfortable, private, they don't need to be embarrassed. Whereas Cheeky Glow, for example, people have dry skin, they have keratosis pilaris, they have all these problems that they want to solve, you know, and for us now with Fluid, the problem we're solving is definitely the experience side. Sydney is a pretty boring place once you've done yeah. everything especially if you've been in a long-term relationship, like you've done a majority of things. We try to make it different every experience and we try to make sure people do something a bit unique. And the best part about seeing it is no matter who comes through that door, 
they always leave with a smile. They always leave happy. And that's something that in the e-com space, you don't see people much. Mm. Besides other founders, besides business partners that, and your staff, that's all you see. But in a physical experience, when you see people come through your door and they leave smiling, happy, and they're like, oh my God, this is the best day ever, babe. Like, I love you. Like mm. that for me is a heartwarming experience. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why we built Fluid Project because that's the exciting part about business is seeing your customers. And I can see it now physically. It's not like a review, five-star review online. I can physically see it and see my customers come out like ecstatic that they've yeah. had the best time in their life. So, you know, you guys... Definitely the boys got to bring them around. Oh, we'll come for sure. Yeah, I'll bring 100%. my missus as well. Oh, yeah, that'd be cute. What do you What do you think in terms of like your your time? Like how much is Cheeky Glow? How much is Fluid Project over the next year? What, what, where are you thinking? That's a fantastic question because I currently operate three operations um, quite like physically. And so with Cheeky Glow being one of my bigger operations and now Fluid Project being another big operation, like these two are the big spearheads of my yeah. sort of time um, and, my, and my calendar and my schedule. So with Fluid Project, for example, right now it's startup phase. We yeah. always know the startup phase is the fucking hardest. These yeah. are these are the 16, 18 It's the most hour. fun, but. Yeah, 100%. I love the startup phase. You know, yeah. it's the most grueling, but the most rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously for the first three months, until I get a little bit of leverage in terms of my time, yeah. I'm going to be spending a lot of time at Fluid. But ideally, I'd like the 50-50 these two. Mm -hmm. But we always know there is no such thing as a 50-50. Yeah. So, you know, I have dedicated days for Cheeky Glow, um, which yep. me and CC have negotiated and discussed. And then I have days where I'm free-flowing at Fluid Project because, you know, Fluid Project is a half-day thing. It starts from 1.30, goes to 9. Yep. During the morning, I still have time to work on Cheeky Glow, to work on Seconds Plays, to work on, you know, any of the other hobby businesses that I have. And I've also been doing a lot of consulting recently too yeah. with other startups. So, you know, I, that's when I bring in my clients. You know, we talk about that and we go through different business and operations. Um, and so ideally for me, it's kind of like if I can – leverage my time away and you know put my staff in to handle my role at fluid i'd ideally like to be working more on the business than in the business at the moment yeah but because it's startup phase like i have to be in the business primarily to help everything move we need to learn what's the pain point, what are people loving what, what can we do better like i told fiona yesterday i was like i've changed the sop 16 times <laughs> in the last two weeks right just because i've been testing and figuring new things yeah. out like even just how we dry the bears i've changed that eight times yeah in the last two weeks so like it's yeah if things have to move you have to be in the business then get to a stage where you can offload a lot of the in-business stuff and then yeah. you start working more on the business yeah. so now we're working with partnerships corporate we're working on a lot of that sort of stuff and then we're going to launch an e-com side of the business yeah. too so it's gonna yeah it's so gonna do crazy. diy kits and stuff is in Correct. the future yep. yeah so because you saw that even the clay pottery things popped off in the 100%. last 12 to 18 months There's like a little clay toy thing that's recently popped off yeah. my friend's been running their ad campaign yeah and they scaled like crazy so mm -hmm. i was like well, you know what? Fuck, let's go at it. Why not? Yeah, Give it yeah, a shot. Yeah, exactly. So I've got all my packaging ready to go. I was actually designing it up until 2 a.m. last sick, night. man. And so we're getting all of that prepped. And then, you know, bang, the e-com side, once we hit, let's get yeah. in before Christmas. And then that's that's the idea. Is Fuck, that'll kill over right. Christmas, man. 100%. That'll that be fine. That'll kill over Christmas. Yeah. Black, if you can make Black Friday Oh, that's well, the goal. Geez. I'm trying to force <laughs> it. You know, I'm like, fuck, just airship me a thousand units. Fucking just send it. Just yeah, send yeah, it. yeah. You know? Um, fuck, we're going hour 20 now. Let me, let me ask you two <laughs> last questions yeah, and then we'll wrap up. Um, the first one you mentioned that I'm sure a lot of people that are starting business or have a business would yep. be interested in knowing a little bit more about, but you said for this business, you haven't done it with any of your other things. You're um, approaching investors to get you know extra cash into the business. Yep. What is that process like and what are you preparing in that deck and how do you speak to investors about the opportunity? Well, fuck, that's a good question because I've been self-funded up until now. Even now, right now, I'm still self-funded. Everything yep. has been self-funded by myself. So everything you've seen me build in the – 
you know, previous years, everything has been my own dollar. And as cool as that sounds, it's not so cool on your own bank account, <laughs> you know? And it's like, just because just you look cool doesn't mean you have everything going for you, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've been in that position before. It's like, wow, this guy's successful. He's got this many businesses. I'm like, bro, if you look at my bank account, um, you know, there's not much going on there, this right? This many businesses means this many costs, this many <laughs> correct. staff, and, this, this much stress. And correct, like, like people, people yeah, don't yeah, get yeah. it, right? Because everything is literally my money. Like, yeah. The, the dollars that I'm paying my staff is not coming just out of the business. It's coming out of my own personal pocket sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, getting that investor journey was, I didn't need the investors. Everything can be self-funded by me and Fiona. But the reality behind it is I want to scale the fuck out of this business. Yeah, I want to go quick, hard, right? you know, so I want to mine an extra couple grand, right? So that was the idea behind it. Um, and the investor process is quite simple. Number one, make a list of the investors that you can target. For me, it's primarily friends and family first because I never wanted to open the opportunity up to, you know, strangers at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to bring the people that have trusted and supported me in the last 10 years of my life. I want to bring them into the fold and give them an opportunity. Yeah. So many people want to start a business but never have the opportunity to start a business because either one, they don't have the knowledge or experience or number two, they just have a very, very risk averse lifestyle where they don't want to be out there taking the risk and number three, their own time commitments as well. So I was like, if I can help my best friends, give them an opportunity to be involved in a business yeah. but not necessarily start it on their own, I would love to do that for them. And so that was the idea behind my investor pool first. And then for the investment deck, it's always very simple. It's like, what is your vision? Who are the founders, right? You know, what is the current market situation? What is the problem and what is the problem you're solving? And what is the solution you're providing? And what is the outlook in the future? If you can answer most of these questions, your investors will be quite happy. And then if you can present a balance sheet that is not just realistic, but also projected, and um, you know, produce all of your cogs for them, and the numbers match up as well as your vision matches up, then most of the investors will be quite happy to see what you have to offer at least. Yeah. Um, and that's essentially the direction that we're taking for the investment side. Yeah. Cool, exciting times, eh, man? Yeah, definitely. Very and uh, last question we'll ask you, if if you could leave one piece of advice to the world, yeah. what would it be? Fuck, I think this is, this is a, a very, very hard question to answer because I think just one piece of advice is never enough, you know? Um, but if there is anything is believe in yourself and start earlier because, you know, time is the one thing you can't get back. And if you could start earlier, start earlier because whether you succeed or not earlier is irrelevant. It's about getting those lessons in ASAP, getting those failures in ASAP. That is what matters most. If I could go back and, you know, actually invest every dollar that I had into a business at 15 or 16, I fucking would, you know, because during that process, I invested a lot of money into myself in terms of personal development, probably spent over a hundred grand on personal development over the last couple of years. It's like, if I can go back and start even earlier than I, than I did, I absolutely would go through those failures earlier and go through them harder too. If you can overcome hard adversity sooner in your life, then you will know and you will have the personal self-confidence and self-esteem to be able to take on any venture and not be afraid of it. And I think that's the big problem that a lot of us have nowadays is we reach a certain age and then our logic brain kicks in and goes, but I have a mortgage, but I have kids, but I have this, even though I have the money now, I'm just not gonna take the risk. But if you had overcome that when you were younger and you go, I could work you know, four jobs, I could go to university and still start a business, then you would have already overcome that barrier of, oh, I don't have the time or I don't have the capacity. It's now more so like when we have, as we get older, we have more and more in life. It's never going to get less and less. So if there's going to be more and more that impacts us, if we overcame those adversities earlier, we would have the, the confidence in ourselves to believe in ourselves to go, you know what? 
just because life has a lot of shit going on doesn't mean I can't do something else and make it happen. And so start earlier if you can and have that belief in yourself. And that's the hardest thing for people to develop is that self-confidence and belief. So the sooner you start working on that, the more experience you get, the more experience you get, the more adversities you overcome, the more successes you have, the more confidence you build. And then with that, you can overcome anything in life. Exactly, exactly, man. And like, that's the biggest thing. Like people are waiting for the perfect moment to come to start the business to no make a change thing. in life. No such thing. I'm a big believer in bite off more than you can chew and chew like hell, man. Oh, like, fucking oath. I, I take on too much sometimes and it'll be difficult for a couple of months and then Correct. I'll be like, feel like I'm a run around like a headless chicken. But then like you get better, your skills catch up, your time management catch up. Correct. Your organization and effectiveness catches up. You just need to stick through the hard. Correct. And then you'll get through it. So again, Alan, thank you for coming on. Where's the best place that people can find you and your businesses if they're interested in Fluid Project? I reckon there's going to be a lot of people that want yeah, to come it, and experience it. 100%, 100% come guys to the Fluid Project. Yeah. Um, and so if you guys want to find me, I'm on all socials. Pretty much yep. Instagram, TikTok is where I live nowadays. Uh, Facebook, whatever. We don't really care about Facebook yeah. no more. But yeah, Instagram, you can find me at alan.fu88 and yep. then tiktok is alan.fu so nice and simple cool. and then where's your first location for fluid um, fluid, yeah. fluid is currently located at h7 slash 161 arthur street homebush west yep. so cool. you can find me like in the west. industrial park yeah yeah, yeah. The so, we, so park, correct that brand new business yeah, park new um yeah so we're just there just going through gate two you'll see us you'll see the sign and just come in and have a good time sick man it looks like a vibe everyone who's listening should check it out look at the instagram and i think fuck this is so cool again i can't believe 100 i can't believe no one's done it yet well, and that's the best business ideas when someone you see him like bro that's the best idea how yeah. doesn't it already exist in Australia? exactly you know exactly. Well, win. don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you guys something. I'm gonna bring it to the office for you. I'll, yeah, I'll give yeah. you a nice uh, custom little bear for you. That's hectic. All right. Thanks, bro. Appreciate Pleasure, bro. It. Done. You're a thank you. Let's go, boys. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Do your friends a favor and share this with them, and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.